Today we're wrapping up our um, Odds and Ends series, and uh, you see Henry's up here with us, because uh, who else to bring an end to this than, uh, than Henry, Truly. but uh, um, we, we over the years, or I should say, I've over the years heard a number of people asking the question, um, when are you going to do a sermon on singles? And, uh, you know, other people had asked, and sometimes, you know, I uh, didn't really know what the motive behind it was, but uh, when we started this series, or a little bit before it even, Henry asked me, he's like, hey, would you ever consider doing a, ser- a sermon on, on singles? And my natural response back to him was, uh, would you do the preaching then? <laughs> and so uh, he said yes, and we've had some conversations over, over time, and so uh, you're in for a treat. I think that this is a conversation, this is a, a piece that maybe some of you are going to look at and say, well, how does this apply to me? Um, we had somebody come up to us after the first English service, and he's like, yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, well, what does this mean to me? And very quickly, he was able to see a relationship that was like, oh, this totally applies to me, and I need to be sensitive in these things. So Henry does a, an amazing job of outlining the topic, and so I'll give you the time, and then I'll come back later on to clean up whatever mess you've made me. So, uh, <laughs> All right, <laughs> and with that, I say good morning, Gear on Church. Um, I had this really cool vision of me coming up here and um, Beyonce's All the Single Ladies is playing in the background and uh, I got my ripped jeans on and stuff like that, but um, I figured Ike's inbox was too full and so I didn't want him getting a continuous message throughout the week. Um, But yeah, today I have the honor and privilege of talking about the topic of singleness, Uh, but before we begin, let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for who you are to us and how you love us, God. I thank you for how you make us individuals to have a relationship, but um, God, I also thank you that we are all in a different stage in life, and that no matter where we are, you come alongside us, and you meet us where we're at, and you walk with us towards um, having a deeper relationship with you. God, as we speak today, I pray that um, you are here in our midst, Holy Spirit, and that you would make yourself evident. Amen. Yeah, so like I said, I'm talking about singleness today, and um, when I think about singleness and who my role models are, um, three people specifically come to mind. The first is Jesus Christ, the second is Paul the Apostle, and the third is Mother Teresa. Um, And these three people, to me, are arguably uh, some of the most influential pillars in the Christian faith. They were all single and ready to mingle. Um, Now, I'm not specifically correlating singleness to greatness, but I do see a pattern within these people, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I texted Pastor Ike a while ago, like I said, and um, I asked him if he would want to preach on this. He replied with why that particular topic, and I said that I think it's an important topic that gets overlooked by the church too often. And I don't believe that it is done consciously, I just don't think the church knows how to do it well yet. A few weeks later, he texted me back and asked me if we wanted to do it together. Obviously, me doing the grunt work, laying the foundation, and then him coming in the last 10 minutes to steal my thunder. Um, But I said, yeah, and here we are. So, (laughs) sorry, Ike. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, singleness is a really interesting topic because I think it often misses the limelight. Um, you're not going to make a movie about a person who, like, goes to work every day and comes home to his cats or whatever. Um, you make a movie about a guy and a girl who fall in love against all odds. Why do you think that rom-coms and romantic movies do so well? Everyone knows what's going to happen, and everyone knows they'll end up together. And yet, they always blow the box office with sales. 
Why? Because we live in a society that places a romantic relationship above everything. We live for soulmates, for finding the perfect person. People travel halfway across the world to see someone they love. They spend their savings and they plan their schedules accordingly, all for this one person that has become the wor their world. And it sounds awesome, and maybe I will get to experience that kind of love someday, but also, maybe not. And maybe in where I am right now is okay with that, because I get to preach a sermon about a topic I'm living and a topic where I want to see the church step up more. There's a really popular song on the radio right now, and it's called Truth Hurts by the artist Lizzo. It's doing well on the, church for, on the charts for good reason. There's a specific line in that song that goes like this. I put this thing in single, ain't worried about a ring on my finger. This song is all about embracing who you are as a person, and that's what defines you, not whether or not you're in a relationship. Because the conversation around singleness is changing. Earlier this month, in an attempt to describe her singleness, the actress Emma Watson coined the phrase that she is self-partnered when talking about her approach to singleness, which to me very much sounded like a way to say that she's single and happy without it sounding forced or cliche. I personally find this term quite endearing. It sometimes seems that being single and happy, especially in the church, is hard to believe. I think the reason for that is that we have made marriage and relationships into a God that we worship, and we have created singleness into a temporary way of life that needs to be fixed with marriage. For most people, marriage is often a required step in their five to 10 year plans. For a lot of people, marriage is a goal in life. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. We know and have seen marriage be a beautiful thing in this world. It is an amazing representation of what the church and Jesus are to look like. But for a lot of people, marriage isn't a reality. In a world where people are getting married later and later in life, the church seems to be lagging when it comes to the conversation about being single. A few questions that I wrestle with are, how is the church responding to singleness? What does the Bible have to say about it? And how do we come to a place where people who are single are affirmed and accepted in social settings just as much and as normally as married people with families? As the church, I think it would be revolutionary to be front runners of embracing the individuality that comes from following Christ and how that affects our everyday life. Embracing singleness, not the way the world does, but the way that Christ does. We will be looking at a few different areas today. We will see what singleness looks like in scripture. We will look at a few examples of that, both within the Bible and outside of it. We will also look at how the church approaches singleness and maybe offer both some insights and critiques. When we look at the history of the church, and even within a biblical context, we often read about people that have committed themselves to the Lord and also have never married. What I find very interesting is that in the modern church, so in today's congregations, you would be hard pressed to find a leader in, in the church that is not married. You will be hard pressed to find a lot of books about singleness or biblical content in general. I personally do not know a leader in any church that is single. And I don't think it is necessarily wrong that leaders of the church are married or that there aren't more single people helping lead the church. I just think it is quite peculiar given some choice words by the Apostle Paul on the matter. I want to go through scripture highlighting some specific people and stories about relationships and about singleness and end up in a passage of scripture that has to be the most quoted book when it comes to the church and singleness. So what does scripture say about singleness? Before we look at Corinthians chapter 7, I want to backtrack and look throughout scripture at a few different places that talk about relationships or that don't. In the beginning, 
there was God. And in Genesis 1 verse 2, there was a spirit of God hovering over the water. Right from the beginning, we get this sense that God is not alone. That God has companionship and relationships, which we now know and recognize as the Trinity. This is further confirmed in verse 26 where it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God creates the first man and woman, gives them a mandate to produce offspring, to fill the earth and take care of the planet, and to be together. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says that God saw that Adam was alone and that it wasn't good for him. Therefore, he made a partner for Adam, Eve. Again, we have strong language here of community, of living together with others in relationship. Fast forward a bit, and Cain and Abel are on the scene. We all know what happens in the story. Cain has a lot of bitterness in his heart, while Abel has love for the Lord. Cain hits Abel really, really hard with a rock, and the first recorded murder happens. God sends Cain away, but not without two things. The first is the mark that will protect him from his enemies, and the second is a wife. I don't want to get into the details of who his wife was, but it was clear that companionship was important to God, even for someone we have a very bad picture of. God wanted the earth filled with his people. Noah and his family, same thing. Along with Noah, all of his sons had a wife with whom to live with after the flood. In order to repopulate the earth, you do need two counterparts to make that work. The family had each other, but they also had a wife that would be the founders of the new humanity. We encounter so many stories that center around a relationship. Abraham sends his servant to find Isaac a wife. Jacob works 14 years to get the woman of his dreams, and so on and so on. Relationships throughout the Old Testament are very normal and are always expected. We do, however, read about one man in the Old Testament that was commanded to be single, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 16, 1-2 says, The word of the Lord came to me. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. Jeremiah is one of the few people in the Bible who seem to have been called to single life. The life of a prophet was hard and dangerous, so perhaps God was telling Jeremiah that he needed to focus all his energy on the tasks at hand and avoid distractions. No compromises were possible in Jeremiah's life. His job description was clear. Now, except for Jeremiah, I know that I'm talking about relationships a lot, and I know that this sermon is about singleness, but I share these examples to show that from the beginning of time and throughout scripture, Humanity has been obsessed with love. A lot is riding on these certain couples for humanity. A lot of people come to the conclusion that marriage is their calling. They love someone, it's mandated, and it's practical. And I agree with that. Romantic relationships make sense in this world. But what does that mean for people that are single? Jesus comes onto the scene, and right away, the whole world quite literally shifts with the birth of this baby. We know from the beginning that this guy is special. Angels are visiting Mary, people are having divine dreams, shepherds and other people alike are worshipping the new king that has been born. Now I don't know about you guys, but I often wish that there was more scripture on Jesus' teenage years throughout his adulthood. What was he like when he was my age? Um, did he have back pain? Did he experience ex existential dread? Did he ever worry about not finding the one for him? We don't know. The Bible never talks about Jesus going on dates, about potential women in the village that he could court. If his mom was anything like my mom, she would definitely have been asking about girls in his life, wondering why he never brought any home to meet the family. And if he, they were Mennonite and still not married by 30, yeah, he would have had a talking to, for sure. But we know that Jesus had a very specific purpose on earth, and a romantic relationship apparently wasn't in the plans. 
We accept Jesus' singleness as a divine purpose and are quick to dismiss it as a specific calling to Jesus. But Jesus was living very differently from cultural norms. In Jesus' day, Jews considered marriage a duty. To the, a duty to the extent that a man reaching 20 years of age without marrying was considered to be in sin. Unmarried men were often considered excluded from heaven and not real men at all, a very brutal situation for single people. The culture was set up for you to be married and have children. But that's not what Paul writes. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is responding to a specific question from the Corinthian church. In the first few verses of chapter 7, he encourages the church to purity. Mother Teresa says that to be pure, to remain pure, can only come at a price. The price of knowing God and loving him enough to do his will. He will always give us the strength we need to keep purity as something as beautiful for him. She is very much echoing what Paul is describing in this chapter. Further on in chapter 7, starting from verse, through, from verse 7 through 9, it says this. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried. Uh, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So here, Paul compares both statuses to gifts. Both being married and being single are a gift that comes from the Lord, but the gift, gifts come at a price and must be exercised in self-control. Skipping ahead to verse 32, it says, I would like you to, brief, to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit, but a married woman is concerned with the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul is speaking completely contrary to what his audience would believe about marriage. Paul says that the unmarried are concerned with the things of the Lord and the married are concerned with the things of the world. We need to understand Paul's motives for saying this because it is so different than most everyone lives, both now and in his day. The thing about Paul is that he had a very one-track mind. His main vision in life was professing Jesus and inviting people into relationship with him, even if that meant going against cultural norms. His mission was to create disciples and for that process to ripple through everyone else. His conclusion is that the best way for that to happen is for people to have their undivided attention on Jesus. And for some, that meant not marrying. Paul very much sees singleness as a gift from the Lord, and he recognizes that not all people have that gift. He also sees it as a practical way of life for the time that he's writing to the Corinthian people. The context of the letter is that they are experiencing some kind of persecution staying married or unmarried is better for all people involved. So what's the verdict of what Paul is saying? He's saying that it is a gift that not, that not all people have, and what we're finding out is that very few people have this gift. But just like any other gift, it needs to be affirmed by the Spirit and by others, and it needs to be utilized by the church. Just like any other gift, it is part of the body of Christ that makes up the whole. It makes me wonder if Paul or any of the churches he was writing to 
had single adults that were struggling with this call or lifestyle of singleness. It's interesting to note that when Paul writes in chapter 7 verse 7 that each one has his own gift from God, referring to both marriage and singleness, the word he uses for gift is the same word for spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Each state, married or single, needs special gifting from God to work. And in chapter 12 is where Paul describes that the church is like a body that needs many different parts to function. That chapter, then, is followed by his famous chapter on love. All of this to say that we were created for community, we were created for relationships. For some, that means getting married and having kids. And for some, right now, that means being single and exploring what that looks, for, what that looks like for you. I want to take some time to address the two different groups that are in the room. Firstly, I would like to speak only to the single people. Sometimes, often, singleness doesn't feel like a gift or a calling or anything good. And it's okay to feel like that. You don't always have to believe that. But we do have a unique opportunity in our lives. Most of us don't have that much commitment. With some strategic planning, most of the single people I know could move halfway across the world within a month. We have a lot of freedom and a lot of flexibility in our lives. My encouragement is to use your time wisely. Use that freedom to your advantage. Go on trips, volunteer, be committed to your church. Single people are in this in-between stage with groups that allows us to have our hand in many different things going on. We have this ability to be a bridge between different groups of people because of our versatility. We must remember that we are not defined ultimately by our calling. Singleness is a calling, not an identity. A Christian's identity, that which defines them at their core, is firmly rooted, never to be moved in their union with Jesus Christ. The love that God has for us is what defines us. You are loved, valued, forgiven, accepted, and purposed, and empowered in Christ. This is who you are and who you will always be. Whether your calling is to singleness or marriage, your identity in Christ is the same. The callings of singleness and marriage are both temporary and may change through life but your identity never will. Your calling may change from single to married or from, or from married back to single, but what will never change is your identity in Christ as God's beloved child, heir to all the precious and great promises of God. We must make our needs known to the church. We cannot expect the church to know our every want or desire and therefore must be clear communicators in order to have a healthy reciprocating relationship with the church. You are loved and you are known. Find your niche in the church and thrive there. I also want to address all the non-single people in the room now. I want to be clear and firm, but I also want to be careful with how I say this. Just because we are single does not mean we are constantly looking for someone. And just because we are single does not mean we have to become missionaries or do full-time ministry. Okay, all right, good, yeah. <laughs> I understand that the culture and the church treat singleness as a temporary way of life, and I think that is why there isn't a lot of talk about it. You won't meet many people who are consciously choosing to be single. It is often not a choice. That being said, I urge you all to be careful with the language you use when addressing a person and their singleness. So often, what seems like a simple question about someone's life and the status of their non-existent relationship can be very harmful. Language such as, are you in a relationship yet or saying when you get married or when you have children can be very harmful for people who want that and can't really do anything about it. If we know well enough, you will find out if we are in a relationship or not. If you do not find out, then it may seem like it's none of your business. 
And also, please stop assuming that there are romantic feelings involved every time a guy and a girl hang out. There is such a thing as people just being friends. That might sound harsh, but that is just the reality you are going to have to face. We are not a problem to be fixed or a match to be set up with the next person. Respect of personal space and clear communication with singles will take you a long way. So those were the don'ts, now let me talk about the do's. A lot of single people often feel lonely in their everyday life. I would say loneliness is one of the biggest struggles of single people. We don't have that person that couples have to confide in or to load, unload our day on. There is a lot of pressure from the people around us to get into a relationship or to be looking for a significant other. A lot of the things single people are looking for is affirmation. We want to feel like we belong. We want to feel like other people care that we exist. Single adults are in a really weird position in their lives because they don't fit in with many of the groups at church and can often feel left out. I am advocating for inclusion. Please invite us over for dinner. Include us in your Friday night plans. Send us a text letting us know that we matter. Let us know that you are there for us and will walk with us as we journey through life. So what am I trying to tell you? What is the point with all of this? I think that the church needs to reimagine what being single looks like. We as a church need to cater to single people like we would any other group and affirm their existence within the body of Christ. Although it may be a temporary way of life for many, that should never be an excuse to dismiss that phase of life. This revisioning will take a lot of creativity and a lot of time. And it doesn't have to be instant either. My hope and prayer for this sermon is that we get a conversation going because the Lord knows we have ne been neglecting this for too long. My hope is to see the church be a companionship for singles, that we would see the church and single people walking side by side, hand in hand, spurring each other in this life on, in love and pursuing their relationship with God. All right, why don't we give them a hand? Well done. Well done. Um, clearly more singles in this room. You had like your, your support group yeah. here. It's awesome. It's awesome. But uh, uh, we joke about me coming in and cleaning up. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was just uh, the way that we would address this together. Kind of, uh, you know, Henry speaking on it more as someone who's like, hey, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's some of the things that I'm, I'm doing. And then me coming in and maybe saying, okay, church, so how do we respond? Um, how, are, how can we be more aware? And so I want to take a few minutes and just talk to us as a congregation on how we can be more careful, how we can be more sensitive, how can we can be more aware, um, you know, as, you know, in how we respond to singles. So Henry mentioned some of the challenges, um, you know, and I think he did a wonderful job of explaining some of the challenges that come with relationships. So I think it's important for us then when we think, you know, when it comes to relationships, like he said, that we don't assume that every single person is looking to be in a romantic relationship. It could simply be that some of them are not, you know, pursuing that. And for us as a congregation to be very um, sensitive to that. And that we recognize that if they are not in a romantic relationship, that that is part of God's plan for them. You know, and, and so that we're not giving them these vibes that are saying like, oh, you, you're still missing out. One day you'll have, you know, God's plan will be made complete in your life by you being in a relationship. And so I think, again, as, as a pastor, I just want to challenge all of us, myself included, that there's just this awareness of that and a sensitivity towards that. Let's be aware that for singles, this may be something that, you know, um, as they're wrestling with it, they have some questions for themselves. And so I want to say to those of you that are in the room who are single, 
and this might sound harsh, but I want to challenge you to consider that maybe God's call on your life is for you to remain single. Just let that land. Okay, just, just process that for a moment, that, that maybe you're um, creating expectations of yourself that, that God's saying, no, I have a plan for you, and where I have you right now is exactly where I want you, and it's beautiful. And so this is something I think that as we have this conversation, something that Henry is really advocating for is just having this conversation that I think it's really important for us to recognize that we, you know, those of us who are married, we need to have that conversation with you. But if you are single, you need to be having that conversation with us and, and that we recognize that, hey, God has a plan for our lives and this may just be what it is. And if it is, then please embrace it and live your life recognizing that you are where God wants you to be. Another big topic that um, I think needs to be addressed when it comes to singles is sexuality. And I recognize some of you here with little kids are going like, oh, we didn't know this, this was going to come up. We'll keep it good. It's all right. You know, but we recognize that sex rightly belongs in the context of a covenant marriage between a man and a woman. But if all human beings, and I believe that they are, all human beings are created as sexual beings, what role does sexuality play in the lives of unmarried Christians? We have to wrestle with this. We have to have these conversations. And this is a critical question and a critical subject because there are many single young adults and adults in our, you know, our churches. They make up a significant portion of our Christian communities and our communities in, in, by and large. So whether unmarried for a season or for life, most singles wonder about appropriate expressions of their sexuality and where to look for fulfillment that you know, is seemingly restricted to married people. So although they would recognize that, yes, sexuality is, you know, or not sexuality, the act of sex is, is you know, to be saved for a marriage relationship, so what do they do with some of the, the you know, the, the need for expression and the, you know, and those sort of things? And this is a, a significant um, topic for many single people. Many Christians would obviously then point to Jesus and Henry mentioned this already, and they would point to Jesus and say, well, he was, he was complete and he was yet never married as an example that just because you are single does not mean that you cannot have a fulfilled life. And so, amen. However, I think one of the things that the church sometimes wrestles with is that singles, although that we believe this about Jesus and we recognize that his calling was such, very often singles are treated, though, within the church as second-class uh, citizens within the church community. We talk about like, well, when you're married, you'll understand. Or when, when you have, you know, when you're married, then this, this, and this. And, and so by us talking the way that we sometimes do, we are actually saying to them, you know, like, you haven't quite got there yet. And so again, this is just one of those areas that we want to be careful. Scripture provides a necessary framework for a solid theology of single living. And the church has a unique opportunity to serve singles by providing a biblical basis and support of single living. So I want to say this, and I, I hope that you all hear me, and that is that for the single people, you do not need to be married to be fulfilled or to be able to accomplish God's will. Scripture nowhere indicates that the, you know, the ultimate way to, you know, to experience God's fulfillment and His will is to be married. And so if you are single, you can experience the fullness of God and His will um, in, in the life that you are in. Singles can have a deep relationship even if they are not sexually active. I want to emphasize this. For single people here today, that you can have deep, intimate relationships with someone without being sexually active with that person. Now, for those of you that are married, let me just, you know, 
I think this is something that we would all understand, is that the simple act of physical act of sex is not the only thing that creates intimacy between a couple. As a matter of fact, we would say that the act itself without other, you know, um, relationship aspects would actually feel somewhat wrong. And so if that's true for those of us who are married, that even in our marriage relationship, there are many other aspects of the relationship that are important, that it is not merely the physical act, then for single people, I would say to you as well, that there's an opportunity for you to have a deep, deep relationship with someone, an intimate relationship with someone, even with, uh, while not being active sexually. And I think that's an important um, thing for us to recognize. Why? Because culture has shifted and altered the norms about physical involvement, raising significant questions for Christians. Culture would suggest that the only way to be close to someone is through sex. That the only way you can have that kind of an intimate relationship with someone is if you are sexually active with that person. So this raises significant questions for singles, and I've had a number of these questions in conversations. So here are just some, and Henry's already mentioned a few himself. Here are just some of the questions that, that this, this raises for single people. One of them is, am I missing out? So if I'm not sexually active with someone, so then am I missing out? Again, it's this, it's this view sometimes that they are second class, that they're, that they're not able to be fulfilled. And so this is, this is a, you know, a question that sometimes is on their minds. Another question is, is it immoral or for an unmarried man and a woman to hold each other in a long embrace? That, you know, again, it's one of those things that for many of us that are, that are married, we may not really consider that. But for singles, sometimes it's like, okay, so if I would hug someone and just kind of hold them, is, am I doing something wrong now? Should I not be doing that? Or, or another question is, can they cuddle on a couch while watching a movie? And does that change based on age? Is it different for a 16, you know, two 16-year-old uh, teenagers to cuddle on a couch while watching a movie? And is it different than if, if you're 60? And again, you know, for single people, I think sometimes they wrestle with this. So what does this mean if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm with somebody and, and we're, we're just, you know, it's not a sexual act or not at all. It's just we're, we're needing the companionship. We need embrace. We need touch. Those things do not disappear if you are not within a, in a relationship. Then the other question that is sometimes raised is, are we expected to try dating to see if it's for us? It's like me saying, like, should I try to be a lawyer to see if I should be a lawyer? It, there's so many things like that in life that we would say, well, no, you, you know, this is not for you. And I think sometimes for single people, there's this, this challenge of, like, should I try this to see if it's for me? And so, again, there's a pressure sometimes with that, uh, you know, mindset is that now suddenly I'm in a relationship for the wrong reasons. Negotiating appropriate exp uh, sexual expressions is clearly a challenge for singles, and I think the church often undermines how significant the struggle is for singles. Um, Maria and I were talking about this this week a little bit, and, and we just said, like, for single people, what, what do they do when they have had a really hard week? And, and they maybe have experienced some pain, and maybe there's just loneliness, and there's, and, and, you know, and there's just this, this weight of, on them. What do they do? Who do they hug? I, I know for Maria, my wife and I, we would, we would just sit together. We would, we would maybe hug for a while. And we would just embrace and we would, we would touch in that way as a way of comforting and, and, and soothing each other. Well, what does this mean for singles now? 
So I think, again, it's one of those questions that unless we as a congregation open ourselves up to that, um, we may often overlook the needs that are in our midst, you know, that singles have. So I, I really, really appreciate what Henry said to us as married people and saying, hey, invite us over. Have conversation with us. Include us in, you know, your life. And, and I think there's something beautiful about just simply saying, hey, the connections that we can have and how we can, you know, feed one another, how we can encourage one another, how we can contribute to each other's relationships, whether you're married or single, there's something beautiful that can happen there. So church, I want to challenge us as a congregation to consider how we relate and how we encourage the singles that are in our, in our congregation. And to the singles, I want to encourage you to engage us and to, to have these conversations. So Henry and I, we've kind of had our, a chance to share our spiels here. And so what we decided to do is that we would end by just asking four simple questions. He knows the questions, so we're not going to like, oh, surprise, you know. Well, actually, I changed them while you were talking. But, um, you know, so here, here are four questions that we just want to uh, give Henry a chance to just uh, respond to. And so the first question is this. What are some misconceptions people have regarding singles? So I would say a big one is that we're always looking for someone. Um, I have had many, many people try to set me up with someone, assuming that I'm on the market, assuming that I'm looking. Um, and that's just not the case. I'm like, often I'm in a season where I'm like, more often than not, where I'm okay with being single and I'm okay with not being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Another misconception is that single people will feel awkward in certain settings with couples. That isn't true. Like, especially if I know both of you, I will never feel awkward if it's just you two and me. Like, a couple and me hanging out, that won't happen. And that's a big thing, like, what I'm advocating for is, like, invite us over. Even if it is mm -hmm. just couples, single people will come and they will hang out. So when we want to have you over, we don't need to invite a girl over as no, well. No, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. No, I no, you. I would actually advise against that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm listening, Henry. Yeah, I'm listening. good, so, good. Yeah, and I, and I think, again, it's one of those things that, and, and, and he already said it, and I, I said it in the first service, so I'll say it here, but I think sometimes when we try to play matchmaker, the advice that I would really give to all of us as married people is we should maybe mind our own business. Here's, here's why I say that. I think we need to recognize the value of relationships, and when we are constantly playing matchmaker, we are not honoring the importance of those relationships happening naturally. You know, if God's bringing people together, then God brings people together. And maybe sometimes, you know, we need to say, hey, have, you know, so-and-so. But we need to be very careful that we're not like, oh, she's perfect or he's perfect or whatever it might be. So anyway, just ramble there for a little bit. Sorry. I know the next question is one that we talked about quite a bit and it's important to you. Is What does it look like uh, practically to, re to revision the church's response to singles? Yeah. Um, Singleness. This question is really complex because I don't think there's a specific formula that we can follow. Um, but my hope is that this turns into a conversation that will maybe lead to different ways that the church can respond. A big way that I think we can practically revision singleness is the language we have regarding mm -hmm. single people, and I've talked about that already. Um, but another one is accountability. I personally have a lot of friends in the church who will make sure if I'm not at church on Sunday, hey, why weren't you at church? Why mm -hmm. were you there? And so I think a big um, thing that I would like to see is married people being accountable with single people and vice versa so that there is that ongoing reciprocating relationship mm. that goes two ways and that both people are healthy and thriving in that. Perfect. How can the church come alongside single people and be a support to them? I know we've, again, we've talked about this a little bit, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's important for us to maybe just nail down that um, answer a little bit closer mm -hmm. because, like, coming alongside single people and supporting them, it looks 
looks different maybe for different people, but how, how would you answer that question? In, it will be different for everyone, but I think a big thing is to meet us where we're at. Um, again, saying things like someday you'll make someone very happy or stuff like that mm. isn't what we want to hear. Um, affirm the areas we are in, notice the gifts that we have, and encourage us in that. Um, uh, my brother a while ago, he said to me that I really have a gift for speaking and he loves to hear what I have to say. And that for me went such a long way because it was encouraging. He saw what I'm good at and he mm. affirmed me in that. Mm. And that's what I would love to see for the church. Yeah, perfect. So in, finally, in your, in your opinion, what do singles bring to a community? Yeah, they bring so much. Um, they bring a really fresh perspective because they live very differently than most people in church or communities. They bring energy, they bring different ideas, um, and a lot of times they bring creativity. Mm. Single people have to be really creative in their lives, and a lot of that can be brought to the community that they are in. Um, they also have a large capacity for versatility because single people often have their hand in so many different baskets mm. throughout the community. They have a lot of different specific skill sets that can bring a lot of, um, yeah, just versatility to the group that they are in. Yeah. And we definitely recognize that here in this congregation. Like when it comes to VBS and some of those kind of things, like my goodness, the amount of single people that are out and just engaging and just helping. And even in many of the other ministries, like the singles in this church have mm -hmm. stepped up big time. Amen. And I think the, the important thing here for us as, as married people to recognize is that we don't ever want to misuse that or mistreat that or take, it for, uh, you know, take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, one thing I've heard uh, someone say is that, Oh, like maybe they could set up the chairs because, you know, Saturday night, well, they've got nothing to do, you know, and it's like singles are like, oh, no, we do have, <laughs> we do have lives and we actually have probably more plans because you're planning yeah. on sitting at home, <laughs> you know, and doing nothing. And so I think, again, it, it, what all of this is hopefully doing is creating conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as you go from here, you might be saying, well, what does this mean for me? Uh, I would encourage you to consider um, your your lives, the relationships that you have in your lives, and wonder maybe maybe there is more people that this uh, that this applies to in your life than you're aware of. And and again, I, I trust that as we go from here, that the conversation would be would be beautiful, it would be genuine, and that together we would be able to spur one another on. So let me pray, and then we're dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you. I thank you for Henry and his willingness to just share and open uh, himself up in this way to talk about his personal life, but also to give just beautiful um, application for, for this topic. Thank you for the singles in our church. Thank you for the married people in our church. Thank you that you bring us together as one church, and we are under you, and we just want to encourage, we want to bless, we want to recognize and affirm one another, and we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.